Hey friends, welcome back to another episode. You know, I think you might've heard if you listened into some of my previous episodes that when I first moved into my log home, I was surprised that I was only given two options for insurance providers. I even called around here locally and was told by a handful of insurance companies that they don't insure log homes. Um, I ended up having to go out of state to find my carrier. And so moving into a log home for the first time, it never occurred to me that this was even a thing. I just figured it would be like getting home insurance on anything else. So that's why I am so excited to bring you um, the special guest today, Ms. B. Speakman. Uh, B is an insurance agent with Speakman Agency with Idaho Farm Bureau Insurance. And uh, we'll be introducing her here in just a moment. Welcome to my Dream Log Cabin podcast, where we are keeping the dream alive by sharing stories of people who have achieved their dream of living in a log home. It seems now more than ever, people are longing to live remotely, or at least semi-remotely, which is why we are offering this show filled with inspiration, encouragement, and insider tips to help you live the log cabin life. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share. And most of all, always remember these important words offered by Albert Einstein. Never give up on what you really want. The person with big dreams is more powerful than one with all the facts. Now let's dig in. Okay, well, before we get started, I want to remind you that you can win a free Yeti this month by April 30th. If you leave a written review on iTunes, you will be entered into our drawing for a free Yeti. So please make sure to head over to iTunes and plug that in. All right, B, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining me. Hello. Nice to be here. So tell us a little bit about you. Like, how did you get your start into insurance? So about 30 years ago, uh, graduated from college and uh, got hired on with a national company because of really actually the benefits. I hadn't intended to get started in insurance, but it was such a good benefits package that they uh, offered me. So I thought, you know, I'll just give it a try for a few years. So they sent me off for training to Illinois. And I actually found that I was actually able to really help and serve people with insurance. I was actually coming on as a um, adjuster for workers' compensation. And there was a lot to that. It, I, they would send me to the workers' compensation appeals board. I'd go to mediation hearings. Um, and, and then eventually over the years, as we acquire more and more of our skills, then we find that we kind of continue to follow that path. And so that's why I've continued in insurance for 30 years. And now I have a wealth of information I've evolved into, uh, had evolved into doing large property loss claims and litigation. And then eventually um, I was asked to be an agent out here. If I would take on a large book of business, a pre-existing business, a book um, that a previous agent had. And so I took that on and I've been really enjoying North Idaho. And I, I do have to say though, when I started with the company as an agent, I actually interviewed the company. I wanted to make sure that the company was some an entity that I could support and I could actually um, be excited about, and I am. That's great, and that is so important. 
You know, we had a chance to get to know each other a little bit when you came up and visited. And I just love how passionate you are about helping people, you know, making sure that they're really taken care of and and that their homes are taken care of, their property. Would you share with us um, maybe some of the saddest situations you've ever seen and maybe, you know, one that happened with a happy ending? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure. So, yeah, the reason why I have such passion about the way I do the insurance from the agent's perspective is because I spent so many years handling claims. And one of the things that really would upset me um, as a claims handler is I'd have to walk into situations equipped with a policy and a a policy contract, actually, that really didn't fit the need at the time. And so then I would have to tell the clients, no, um, there's no coverage for this. And the devastation I'd see in their eyes, the comments I would get really led me to have a passion for coming at the insurance from the perspective of an agent now. Um, as an agent, I look at it from the perspective of what will this policy do when you need it most. And so some of the circumstances I saw actually as I was an agent, a pre-agent, as should say, as an adjuster, um, really made me sad. And it really left an impression so that it formed how I function as an agent now. Um, so one, I called the man in his lake. So there was this lovely man who had um, who I had visited with on a previous claim. He had had a a claim in his home, a very modest home. And we handled the claim pretty efficiently. He was very happy with us. And so he had a relationship with me already as his local adjuster. And um, then we got called out for another claim for him. And he, I visited with him across his kitchen table. And he explained to me that there had been an incident out on another piece of property that he owned. And so he started to tell me about it, but he prefaced it with, I'm not worried about it because I know I have you and I know I have an umbrella policy. And so he, he, he then told me the circumstances of the incident. Um, it's actually an incident that was caused really by his generosity. Um, actually, I shouldn't the, say the incident was caused by that, but, but well, his exposure to this incident was his generosity. He had a large piece of land, very large, that had a beautiful little lake on it with a log cabin. And he had, over the years, allowed people to use the lake and the little cabin and just to enjoy it for casual camping. He would allow people to camp on his property. Um, it evolved into um, eventually somebody asking if they could use his cabin as a place to stay and then they would go ahead and take care of the campsite. Uh, Well, in that process and over a few more years, an altercation actually occurred between the person he had uh, allowed to stay in the cabin and actually manage what was kind of considered his informal campsite that he didn't charge anybody to come to. And the person who was in his cabin ended up um, having an altercation, a drunken altercation and shooting somebody. So there was obviously a lawsuit that had come to me, um, and as the adjuster, I was sitting across from him and had to ask him some very pointed question. And the most pointed question that should have been asked, I believe, by the agent, uh, let's look at the ownership on this piece of land. Who owns the land? Well, I do, he said. Well, it turns out, as we dug further, that um, he actually owned the land, but he had put it into a different entity. So it was actually owned by a corporation. And the corporation actually didn't have any coverage. Oh, my stars. So he, we had a pretty, um, he ended up with a pretty lengthy lawsuit that we actually couldn't help him with because the lawsuit was not against him. It was against an entity that we had no relationship with. 
So that was an oversight, I believe, on, on the part of the client for not disclosing that, obviously, to the agent, but also the agent for not picking um, through some details with a client and understanding there, there's some other relevant pieces of information that maybe a client wouldn't understand is relevant when he's writing a policy and, and purchasing an umbrella. You know, um, another good story, though, I have is, uh, so that was a liability claim loss that we couldn't help with. Another is a liability claim loss um, that I could help with. And, I, and the client was so happy we could. So I call it the wedding party on the hill. So he has a big, beautiful house um, in the area. And as many of us in the area have a lot of land and have beautiful homes, well, he agreed to host a wedding reception up at his place. And so they cleared out his large garage and they actually housed the band in there and they were gonna have some wine tasting and a wine bar in there as part of um, the event. And so they made sure that the band had, had really taken some tape and taped down all the cords that ran across the, you know, the area. And so they thought they had done everything beautifully to prevent any incidences. But a lady in her 60s came out to the wedding. She was wearing heels and the concrete floor was well swept and cleared in the garage, uh, but her heel clipped the cord even though it was um, stuck down with tape. And the story is that you could actually hear her knee shatter oh, um, over yeah. the sound of the, of the music that was being played. And of course, this completely changed her life immediately. And the homeowner um, really had the exposure of this loss because a loss is, is not just premise liability, premise medical, it's also, was there any negligence involved that caused this incident? Well, just the fact that there was a hazard there that she that hadn't been mitigated, she, she clipped her heel on it. Um, it really was his responsibility. So he's living up in this big, beautiful home. And the what I look for right away is, what does he have to protect himself from this? Because really this is a beautiful homeowner who actually immediately looked at me and said, what can we do to help the client? What can we do to help her with her medical costs and everything that's gonna you know, come down the line? And I said, we have an umbrella. He had a million dollar umbrella over his $300,000 liability limit on the base policy of his home. And her bills and her settlement came to 800,000. Wow. So if he had just had, and this wasn't a disputed ordeal. This was a, um, the client had prepared himself with liability insurance such that he could take care of any incident that may be his liability. And he was able to do that. And the beautiful part of that is he said, thank you for giving me the ability to take care of my friend when she had an incident at our property. Wow. So it wasn't a lawsuit, but um, that was a beautiful one. And one last one, I know you asked for kind of like a pros and cons and goods and bad experiences, but um, the most common experience I had as an adjuster was an early morning phone call, running out to the place where there's an incident. And oftentimes I'm standing with somebody in their bathrobe who's in tears as their house is smoldering. And um, the one that strikes me the most is the incidences where I'm standing with, their, with them and everything is down on the ground and they're crying and they're usually crying because a pet was inside. <laughs> and they're not usually talking about their possessions, they're talking about their animal. 
So losses and incidences are real. They happen all the time. Our local adjuster is busy all the time, full time, because things happen all the time. So we want to make sure that incidences are protected through insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's one of the reasons I asked you on this podcast and I'm like tearing up because that's awful. <laughs> and that's, that's the reality of things, you know? And so I think it's so easy sometimes to just not think twice about it. Oh, it's so easy to just, oh, I've got insurance. Nothing's going to happen. And you just don't really realize it until the day that something happens and then it could be too late. You know, that's one of those just realities of life. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So on that note though, that you brought up a good point because one of the most common things we hear from people is I don't want to log home because they're a fire hazard. I know the truth, right? But when people hear it from a Caribou Creek person, it's like, well, you're just saying that you build log homes. Of course you would say that. So what is the truth on that note? Insurance is um, actually provided by a number of different entities um, and the different entities are going to have their different impression of what they're insuring based on how they look at insurance. A national company is going to look at insurance with a very broad brush. They're going to look at the insurance exposure based on what they want to take on. Um, Insurance is really a shared risk approach to handling damages that a homeowner or an individual may have. And so the insurance company will say, yeah, we want to go ahead and lock arms with you on this exposure, whether it be your home or it be a liability um, potential commercially or personally. And so a national company actually has actually, a lot of national companies I've watched over time um, actually leave the area in, in the sense that they don't want to write insurance up in the North Idaho area or any rural areas because they have enough city or, um, and suburban areas to write coverage where the risks um, from their perspective are lower. They're right there with a fire hydrant down the street and they've got fire service right down the street. The materials are made you know, with perhaps, um, if you look in California or other areas, you'll see that the building materials sometimes are actually um, not even wood. So on the exterior and on the roof, So a lot of them have just said, we don't want to be in this area at all. And then some have said, you know, we will come to this area, but we're going to actually only do the homes in um, fire district um, service areas that are really close to the fire hydrants. Um, And then there's some who actually say, you know, we'll go ahead and share the homes that are out in the rural areas, but they cannot be combustible. They have to be far away from trees. And then some will say, you know what, we'll do the homes out in those areas, but we aren't going to do log homes. And we're not going to do homes that heat their homes with wood. And the reason why they say those things is because, once again, I think they're painting a broad brush across um, what really truly is a risk. I, I go to our underwriters and I talk to them frequently because I have a direct line of communication because of the type of company that we are and the type of agent that I am. We um, have discussions about what the true risk is up here. Well, when it comes to wood log homes, actually the risk is quite low. Um, they are, the big logs actually create a, you know, um, an insulation effect. They don't actually combust easy. Um, you could test that, I'm sure you've tested that in your own fire pit. You put um, 
a lot of thick log in your fire pit and you try to light it, you can't unless you do some splitting and then you put in some fire starter and you put in the, some needles and you may even throw some actual literal fire starter on it. You cannot go out to a campsite and say, I'm gonna chop a little piece of wood, you know, and you have your log sitting there and you put it in the fire, you'll see that it just chars the surface. Well, that's the same effect that you have with a log home. A log home will actually um, get charred. You can have a fire for five minutes on some log and you know, in order to char it, it has to reach 300 degrees. And then when it does char it, that charred portion of the log actually creates some insulation. So actually log homes, um, as opposed to frame, regular frame lumber homes, um, actually have more of a fire resistant rating. One of the reasons is because um, when you have a frame home, as you know, there's a lot of uh, spaces, there's a lot of cavities behind a wall, right? Where you have your cavity, you have, your crawl, you have some crawl spaces, you have wall space, you have um, drywall, you've got air. And as we know what creates, what are we taught in school? What, how do you start a fire? Well, you need heat. You need oxygen, you need a fuel source. So if you have cavities in a wall in a regular stick-built stick -built home, you've got your oxygen actually flowing um, behind the wall. So it can actually move. If you think about a log home, you, you don't have that way for the fire to move. It's not being transported by oxygen within the walls. Um, and actually the surface area isn't as combustible because you don't have the lumber that's been, you know, and you don't have the material on the lumber usually. Um, so it's actually safer. So what is the number one insurance claim on log homes? Is there, is there any statistics on that? So actually from my experience, so I have many years of experience handling claims, I've actually haven't had any claims that are specifically because a home is a log home or one that I can say is statistically something that's inherently an issue with log homes. I actually personally haven't seen it. I actually did some research too. And some of the incidences with log homes usually aren't um, fire. They're talking about other things that you guys prevent and mitigate as you build the home. And that would be, you know, insect um, infestation, things like that. But when you seal it right and you put the right treatments on it, you're not gonna have those issues. So um, the problems that do arise with any home, including a log home, and here's the irony is when you're building any home, you really need to pay attention to the secondary elements that start the fire. And that would be what deck are you building onto the home? Are you really putting your fire starter right next to your home? If you do burn, if you do um, heat your home with wood, are you keeping your stack of wood on your deck right near your home? Well, then you've got your fire starter, just like you would imagine in a fire pit. Do you have your kindling right next to your home? So, you know, the caution that I would give out is, you know, don't focus on the actual building material on the structure of the home. Um, you know, the actual frame walls. I would, I would look at, you know, roof, the roofing material and the decking material that you choose. And then also what you plant around the house. Um, the uh, coniferous trees, those, um, like spruce, fir, and pine, those are highly flammable. And so, and the wheat and the needles that fall, those can be a fire starter. So you don't want something that's gonna burn next to your house, char your house to the point where it's being charred for more than five minutes at over 300 degrees. Of course, it's gonna, you know, then start to catch fire. Um, so I would, I would say, as you're going to look at building a log home or buying a log home, 
I would look at not so much what the home is made of, but look at the fire starting material all around it and mitigate that. That's good advice. Definitely. I think that's obviously good for all houses too, not just. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess on that note, generally speaking, do you have advice that people can use in relationship to home insurance? Like maybe three specific things people could do to avoid problems that maybe they wouldn't think of on a normal basis. Cause obviously that's, what's so interesting is we don't know what we don't know. Um, but you know, maybe we can educate some people and help them prevent some, some things and maybe in their home that they have now. Well, you know, I think the key to me is to understand insurance in a different way, change your paradigm of thought. Most people have been trained over time recently to look at insurance as something that you have to have it's imposed on you, it costs too much, and you're going to price shop it just so that you can check that off your list so that you can get your loan, so that you can live in your house and not be bothered by a lender or you know you feel like you're somewhat safe. But the problem is, is when you shop for insurance, like you're shopping for something that's unimportant, you actually don't do a good job at acquiring something that provides protection. I like to say, you know, you spend a lot of time on developing your career, your way of creating assets, building your assets. Look how much time you, you spent on whatever you do for a living so that you can purchase things and have liability that you want to protect. You know, you manage your money with an investor or, or an um, accountant. You spend all that time and money and energy with people who are going to help you create, manage your investments. I like to say then, how much time and energy do you spend finding that person to help you protect all of that? Because every single thing that they manage can be swept away in a big claim. Yeah. Property claim or liability claim. So I say, look for a risk advisor and stay away from the concept of a quoter. Um, so when there's a difference between an insurance agent and an insurance broker, we're all agents, I should say. Um, but when you're going to an insurance broker, you have some advantages with a broker. The advantage would be that they can, what they call price shop. They're price shopping, they say everybody in the market. They're not though, they do have access to national companies, but they're not price shopping. For example, Idaho Farm Bureau Insurance because we're not, we're not marketed through them. You cannot be broke. You cannot broker everybody. You cannot price shop everybody. And normally what you're missing in that brokered experience is the local insurance. The insurance, for example, Idaho Farm Bureau Insurance. Um, when I agreed to be an agent for Idaho Farm Bureau Insurance, it actually took three, four uh, lunch visits before I would agree to, as you know, I'd had an aversion to the way policies had been written in the past or what I had seen on from the adjuster's end. And so I was very particular about wanting to represent a company that will allow me to take care of people properly. And so I can function as a risk advisor. I can place them with local insurance that was de developed in Idaho, actually out of Pocatello. For, it started um, as a company to serve Idaho farmers. It's actually... Um, Idaho Farm Bureau Insurance, Idaho Farm Bureau um, actually um, will visit all the way to the national level to advocate for property rights. And so it's, it's, a, it's a really grassroots 
insurance policy that has developed into one of the largest carriers in the state of Idaho, and it's very Idaho specific. So look for an insurance advisor. One question you should ask when you're working with somebody, when you first get on the phone with somebody, say, okay, what's your focus? What are you focusing on for me right now? And if they say, I'm going to get you the best price, that, that's good. And I do the same thing. But is that their first focus? Because if you go for price, you may not be getting quality. And then the next question I would ask them is, so once we secure this policy, what next? What can I expect from you year after year? And you're going to want to look for, well, I'm going to make sure that we're continuing to protect your assets. I'm going to review your policy with you. I'm going to have a conversation. You can reach me on my cell phone. So all of my clients have my cell phone number. That's why they can reach me in tears when they have a claim. So that's what I would look for is that local presence and being able to actually have a policy that is something you can actually touch. So a policy is actually a contract. Make sure you have somebody who is reading the contract, knows the contract. When you have a national carrier that's being, your policy is being written through a broker, not really a bad deal, um, but that broker is dealing with many different policies, many different contracts. When you deal with a what, what's called a more of a captive agent, an agent that has chosen to work with a certain insurance company, I know that contract inside and out. I know what page to find certain parts of that contract. So when a client asks me questions or they have a claim coming in, I know right away how it's going to work for them. And the same goes for commercial. That's great. Yeah. I think this is just a great episode. Wonderful information. I, I truly thank you for your time coming here. I think it's been I mean, eye-opening, that's why just in our office talking to you, I thought, my goodness, you know, this we've got to get this information out because it's a really common point that it's it's interesting because the facts are mixed up, they're jumbled, and then the, uh, you know, there's this preconception that people have. And also we have some, and we, I mean, homeowners, me included, have some ignorance that, you know, blinds us from things that really are important. So we're, we're putting our emphasis on things that are not true. <laughs> and then we're over here, uh, you know, ignorant of the things that are important. Even when we first moved into our log home, my husband was panicking about, you know, oh, it's going to catch fire, everybody, you know, we got to be careful. And he was constantly talking about it. And when I, I first heard, you know, and, and then all of a sudden the logic kicks in, oh, you're right. It isn't easy to burn a full size log. And I told him that, and he has just relaxed since then. And, you know, I'm like, yay, we can enjoy our log home now. <laughs> so it's funny. It's good. Wonderful. Well, I can't thank you enough for your time. How could people find you? If obviously they have to be moving into Idaho for you to be able to help them, but if they are, what can they do? Yeah. So I can help with anything that they're doing in Idaho, whether it's a business, whether it's a home, whether they're building a home, um, anything that they're coming up with, I'd love to talk to them about handling that risk is the way I would first approach it. Who's owning it? How are you going to do it? Once we get to that point, um, then we can have that conversation beyond there, either in person or over the phone. But the best way to reach me is to understand that every agent in a company is not the same. So you're going to want to make sure you reach out to me directly. I do have staff who work for me. I'm located in Pond Array. There are two offices actually in um, the area. One is downtown Sandpoint. That's not me. One is in Pondre. That is me and my staff. I have a website. It's farmbureausandpoint.com. 
and just not to mistake it for the other office downtown Sandpoint, it's farmbureausandpoint.com and that'll get you straight to my website. And then my phone number is 208-627-7799. And like I said before, that's directly actually to me. That's my cell number. And that's uh, all of my clients have that. Perfect. And I'll make sure to link all that in the show notes as well. So if you're listening um, and you can't write it down, don't worry, you can find it. (laughs) All right. Thank you, B, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure to have you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Hey friends, if you haven't done so already, it sure would mean the world to us if you would please subscribe to the show and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, we're always looking for people who are willing to share their story of how they attained the log cabin dream. Visit us at mydreamloghome.com and contact us about coming on the show. Thanks again for listening.